stoke meter and it looks like our guest just had something come in on his phone i love it <laughs> we have we have the pleasure of having mark miller on our podcast today and mark is a good friend of karch and i'm going to just pivot over to karch fill us in how you <laughs> all right Yep, so uh, we probably go back, I don't know what, four or five years maybe, Mark? Yeah, about that. Uh, and so when I when I met Mark before, we kind of worked at the same facility at the time. He was kind of in a different department, but we kind of, you know, did a lot of work together. And then, you know, life happens, and then I ended up going to doing a different job. And then as fate has it, <laughs> now I'm back working where we originally met. And so, again, it's probably, I don't know, again, it's like, I think I knew you a couple of years before, and then it's been a couple of years break. And then the reason I wanted to get Mark on here is when, when I came back, and you were a different, a different person. I mean, it was such a, it was incredible. And I don't want to say that you were a, a train wreck before, because you weren't. You were an awesome guy. You were an awesome guy back then. But you just, you know, everything about you was just like, it was like version 2.0 or a higher, you know what I mean? You made just such an incredible transformation. And we started talking at work here, you know, probably a couple of weeks ago. And I've also noticed that, you know, Mark started posting some, what I consider pretty vulnerable um, posts on oh, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, which I knew really wasn't your character by nature. <laughs> And I think that's always interesting. So anyway, mashing all that together, um, I wanted to bring Mark on and just kind of, you know, have you tell your story and let's just kind of see where it goes. And so what I would like to do in your is turn the mic over to you and let's go back, you know, kind of that, that time frame. And it doesn't even have to be that when we were hanging out together, but, you know, take us to the point in your life where you decide to kind of make that change and what was going on at the time? Um, it's, it's hard to get back and I guess it's hard to get back there that quick, but um, I've thought a lot since we've talked this last couple of weeks. Um, and it's like you said, not that I was a trainer, right? People couldn't tell that I was even struggling, man. Like I, I was, I was just normal. I mean, nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, I, I did my thing and still had my friends and still did my job and, just kind of living life. Um, I, I uh, looked a lot different. I was 70 pounds heavier. So that, that definitely, <laughs> that definitely was a difference. Um, but I think mentally, I mean, I, I kind of joked around the other day with my wife, like, I feel like I hit maybe a spiritual puberty. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. I, I just feel like, you know, something, something changed. Um, and there was a lot that led up to it. Um, I mean, you said vulnerable and I cringe every time I hear someone say that. Cause I, I still, I'm just like, I'm not vulnerable. Like stop saying that. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I guess when you think about it, like to, to just be open about whatever's going on, it's, I've definitely, uh, learned that opening up is, is the better way for me. Um, that happened because I was struggling, man. Like I was, I was, uh, um, I started my job. I got a, a leadership position at work. Um, 
life was okay. I mean, it was stressful. It was a lot of the normal stress. And then I had a second child and then I had a third child and then I had a fourth child. Um, <laughs> You've been busy. They know what causes that, right? Yeah. So I went from, you know, 30 to 35 and all these changes happened. I got a house. I got um, people at work relying on me, kids at home relying on me, a spouse relying on me. Um, and I just felt that pressure. I mean, it was, it was unbearable. I mean, there was, there was extra, you know, callings in church. There was um, just everything. I mean, it seemed like if anything went wrong, it was everything went wrong. And so, so, so it didn't mean to cut you off. As I no, say, one of the things that kind of, that hits me though is, and we've talked about this a little before is, so you're going along, you're struggling and, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but you just said you didn't know you were struggling. Yeah, no, I had so no what, idea. What, what does that look like? I mean, how do you, that sounds kind of like a miserable existence. I don't know if I posted this or wrote it the other day, but it's kind of, I, I felt like I was lost and didn't know it. Um, but it took finding something to realize I was just wandering around. And it's like, you kind of look at everybody else and you think everybody else is doing the same thing. We're all just kind of wandering around doing our thing and everybody goes home kind of bitter at the end of the day and everybody, you know, medicates with something. I mean, whether it's TV or alcohol or, or whatever, people got their distractions and their, and their medication to cope with life. Um, and I think it was a lot more of just getting by. It was a lot of just, just, you know, whatever you could do to find a little bit of happiness here or there. But after a while, even the things I love, the outdoors and the hunting and all the, the things that I've always done and always loved doing, none of that stuff was doing it anymore. So um, there I'm was, just wondering, Mark, I, I, I'm also sorry for cutting you off. I'm just wondering, good. what was it that made you realize you needed to change something? Uh, it, it happens a lot, right? People are starting, it's kind of, it's not even a slippery slope. It's like, oh, man, where am I? <laughs> right? <laughs> just wondering what... I had a lot of, I had my wife, and my parents and, and different church leaders, people, you know, kind of noticing and, and I would express it. I've always been able to express to close people, but not to everybody like I've been doing. Sure. Um, and I would express to my wife that I was down or that I, you know, my parents or my sister, tons of people, even some close friends and, and people would be like, well, have you considered medication? And I, you know, I thought about it and it was, <laughs> yeah. it was definitely an option. You know, I was just like, yeah, maybe, but um I think being a man, it was like, no, I'm not going to go get medicated. Like, you know, no way. Yeah. Um, and so it was an option, but for me, it wasn't at the same time. So I was fighting that. Um, and then my wife, who's a nurse, was like, you know what? We, we, we send people to different places and they get help and all these things. And so it was people were trying to help me, but I just wasn't ready for their help. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I got to a low and I, and I posted this, too, but I. I had, I had went to go out and go shooting, which I've done a lot. And, uh, and Maggie was just worried about me and, and, and she was, it, she was concerned for my well being. And so I, knowing that, knowing that I was in that kind of shape, I was like, okay, I got to do something like even as tough as I wanted to be, I wasn't being tough anymore. Um, and so it broke, it broke me down and, and we went to, uh, I told her, I didn't want to just go to any doctor's office. Like I wanted to go to a specialist or something. Um, we ended up going to Palo Verde behavioral health or something like, I guess, you know, that's uh, a common place for people to go for behavioral stuff. 
And then I got there and I realized right away I was in the wrong place. I mean, it was like hold my baby close and, and it was, <laughs> the doors are all locked and it was, it was a scary place, man. And like, um, I felt real uncomfortable there. And then they sat me in a room and they interviewed me and I realized in the interview, like, I'm not broken. I'm not going to hurt anybody or myself or, and it was just this feeling that just came over me that I was not broken. Um, and prior to that, my wife had been telling me that um, basically, you know, in these last days that there's a, a curse of hopelessness and that struck me. I mean, that statement and then knowing that I wasn't broken, there was just this realization that I lacked hope. Um, and it, and it that realization was, was, that was the turning point. That was the, that was the, okay, now I know what's wrong. Now I can fix it. And there became, there became a, a, a quest basically for me to, to fix that, to, to go with that and to use that. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's in everything now. I mean, it's in everything. You know, it's funny too. It's just one of the things that so, so many times in business, they, uh, especially when we're working with a potential client or we're talking about a business strategy and, and such, one common thing, I've heard this over and over and I've mentioned it too, is we go, as they're making a strategy, they're going, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> right? and, and so we, we, we've kind of, uh, if you will, we've wussified what hope really can do. And, and, and it's amazing that you, you say this because a lot of people don't see it as a malady. Uh, at least all the tough guys I see. And of course, I had to go look at your Facebook post. You have Bobcats in there. You have coyotes in there. You're shooting stuff. And you're a manly man. And, and that's the honor that I wanted to keep, you know, but it's like, yeah. I'm still that person. <laughs> yeah, and you but, are. Yeah, but there's you are. so much more to life than just being tough. Yes, yes. Well, and I think that's one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, we, you, did you grow up in that area in, in St. David? Yeah, I grew up in St. David, yeah. Okay, so I, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I grew up in a small town, probably about seven miles away from where Mark grew up. We didn't know each other. I'm a lot older. That explains a lot. A lot, a lot better looking, that type of stuff. But anyway, um, so we, long story short, we kind of grew up in a similar culture, you know, and similar, you know, what's considered norm or, or acceptable and that type of thing. And so, first of all, I have to say, I, this is, again, the best podcast interview backdrop i think i've ever seen like this <laughs> what you see right now with mark this is the, this is the calming 1973 f100 yes <laughs> it's beautiful i mean it's like totally you couldn't have picked a better a better backdrop to capture <laughs> our youth really you know what i mean <laughs> but along with that so one thing that I, I i truly understand and am sensitive to is that and, and, I, and again, this conversation is going to go a few different directions, but when it comes to mental health, you know, in regular, you know, rural America or even the big cities and that type of thing, there's so many stigmas attached to it. You know what I mean? Um, I know, you know, there were some things that I struggled with growing up and back then it was, you know, buck up, you know, <laughs> man yeah. up, shake it off, yeah. get busy, yeah. go do something. And, and, you know, so I, I appreciate the, the odds that, you know, that was kind of stacked up against you to at least get to that point. You know what I mean? And I noticed that when you made your post on Facebook too, when you were talking about like, well, I'm just going to go out and go shooting. And then all of a sudden, you know, my wife is worried about me. Like that's a hard realization. So yeah. what was it about 
this particular time? Because it sounds like this has been going on for a long time. What no, was it about this time that kind of made, you know, this sounds like a, it was a big turning point for you? Well, like, like I said before, it was almost like a, a spiritual puberty, which sound, kind of sounds funny, but it was it was a bit of an awakening for me. It was life's not supposed to be this this way. Um, I'm not supposed to feel this down and out and broken. And, and it was, I've been taught things, but it, it never sank in. Um, sure. So I had a lot of mentors, a lot of people in my life who taught me really good principles and taught me a lot of really good things. That doesn't mean it always sank in. Um, and on a foundational level, something is as foundational as hope. Like that changes everything. I mean, that's not just, that's not just some principle that, you know, is going to change a few things in your life. I mean, that, that changes every single aspect of your life. Yeah, sure. um, and I, I'm feeling that now where it's, it's not just my mental health, it's my physical health, it's my spiritual health. Like everything hinges on that. Yep. It, it, it was so, interesting when, when uh, Gary was, was mentioning, uh, you probably was, were, were dealing with, with a long time. I, I heard you a little sip. It goes, oh, not really. It wasn't that long. Uh, and <laughs> and it, it was one of those things that there were so many things that were on. Uh, that were pressing upon you. You had your promotion. You had all these other, all these kids. You have a new house, and a lot. yeah. And it's funny because people would say that's success, baby. That's success. Yeah. And yeah. the emotional toll. And I see this a lot in in a lot of the athletes that uh, I've I've interviewed in in the past. And all of a sudden they go, yeah, but there's quite a bit of an emotional toll I wasn't ready for. And that's where the the self destruct happens because. To your point, they miss out on the balance aspect of it, your spiritual, mental, social, all that other good stuff right there. And yeah. I think it's an easy trap to fall into. Um, and it's something that, again, it was only in a span of a couple of years, it sounds like, when all that started to happen. So I'm just, I'm just glad that that realization happened and that you hit that spiritual purity by understanding that, that hopelessness. But just wondering... Um, that, I guess that's a long way to ask the question. What would you recommend, um, or actually, what would you say are some of the warning signs that you wish you would have known? And what would you recommend when so many life changes are happening in a person's life, like you experienced? Uh, maybe be careful what you wish for. Like you said, <laughs> success, success is is great. You know, it is great, but you got to make sure you want it. I mean, you really gotta you really gotta have a passion for what you're doing. Um, just to get to what looks like success, to have a family and a house and a good job and all those things, that's not enough. You have to believe in what you're doing. Um, yeah. And and I just kind of went with the flow. It was there was always like this expectation to to be a certain kind of person, to be you know a certain kind of member of society and all these things. And I was living for everybody else. I wasn't living for me. Oh, uh, that and, is and, a common theme, man. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It is hard not to live for everybody else. It is. Well, yeah, yeah, basically making those choices or doing it because either that's what you're expected to do, that's what you were told to do, but it really comes down to it. What, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to say, well, what's best for me? Right. You know, what, what is, what's going to be, what's going to make me happy? What's going to make my family happy? And we, me and you had hit on that, like living more intentionally, like doing things because my heart's in it, not because somebody else thinks I should do it. Yes. Sure. Um, that's well, let, let's step back just a little bit. So um, again, you know, I've had experiences in my life where there was no hope there, you know, where things were rough, you know, 
the thing that I want to really understand is how do you, it's easy to say and recognize, okay, I need hope. It's a whole nother level when you're feeling down and when you're feeling, you know, the world is closing in on you. What did you do? I mean, it's easy just to say, well, yeah, I mean, I also need a million dollars, but I, I'm in the position I'm at, I can't do it. Or, you know what I mean? How do you go from having no hope to making those first steps? Like for you, what, what happened? It, it was, uh, and I, I didn't know all this you know, during the moment. Like I got out of, yeah. I got out of that meeting with behavioral health people. And I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not that like, I'm not, I'm not, um, again, I'm not broken. Like I'm, I'm not needing. Sure. To be, yeah. And, and it was, but there was this realization that I didn't look forward to anything. Um, we went to dinner after that and I was like, what do I look forward to? Like, what would I, what would I look forward to? So that was the change in, in direction that my mind was going. And so I started looking for something until I felt something that, that I could latch onto. And it was actually, as we were talking, it was, it was a vacation. It was a getaway. And it was my wife and myself to just go get a hotel and, and spend the night away from kids and responsibility and the rest of the world and just reset. Um, and so then it was like a two week thing that I planned, we planned, um, and it was something to look forward to. So that was, yeah. it was tiny. I mean, it was such a small thing, but it was just something to look forward to. It was one thing that I knew that I would enjoy. And then, and then realizing the buildup to that was as enjoyable as the actual vacation or staycation or whatever you want to call it. But you have to, you have to have things to look forward to in life. And even if it's two weeks away or six months away, um, I'd gone a long time between, between doing things I enjoyed and, and looking forward to the next thing in life. Um, so it was just a small, it was just a small thing to latch onto. There so that kind of, that was the initial spark, huh? Yeah. It was a, it was a crawl. I mean, it was, yeah. it was not a step. It was a crawl. You did say something that was pretty cool. Not only did you, are you looking forward to it, you brought to mind a conversation I had with an ecclesiastical leader one time. And what he said was um, there, the guy was so, he was so spiritual. So this is, this might be a little bit off, but he goes, I, I knew one guy that everything, that everything they did was all spiritual. It was about the church. It was about this. And, and he had no balance. And so one time he was wondering why his life was falling apart and such. And I go, and he said, um, when's the last time you had quality time with your family? And, and so this ecclesiastical leader said, I know you like coming to church. I know you keep the Sabbath day holy, all this other good stuff like this. And, you know, this is not a religious program whatsoever, but it was interesting. And he said, take Sunday off and take your kids to the pancake house and see yeah. what happens. And so that it was awesome because what he did was he took his family. He felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get struck down. <laughs> and in reality, what happened is he went over and it was one, one of the most quality filled, purposeful, meaningful family events ever. And it was a simple pancake house for XA. Yeah. And yeah. after that, they came back and all of a sudden their quality of relationship was at another level because the family felt that they were much more important than anything else and everything was a supplement to that. There was true balance again. And, and not only was it found purpose for this individual, it was also found purpose for an entire family. Like, oh, and holy crowly, man, dad cares. It was interesting. It was interesting. That's so, something I, 
something I've noticed is when I'm doing well, then, then I can be a benefit to other people. Um, yeah. and, and like when you're talking, I'm thinking of my dad always taught me about the, the sharpening the chain analogy. I think it was a Stephen Covey thing, but you got to get away. You got to get away and sharpen your chain or else you're just going to be you're going to be hacking away at stuff forever. And it's just not going to give you the right results. Um, it's much better to step back and, and, you know, like I say, a vacation can do wonders for people if they're not all stressed out and depressed and you got it. You have to go with the right mindset. You actually have to sharpen the chain. You can't just say you're going to sharpen the chain. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to take a pause right here. And so anybody that's listening to this, get your wife, get your significant other, your family, whatever, plan it, go do something, reconnect. All right. That's, that's everybody's uh, assignment. Anyway, continue. (laughs) But you bring up another point because when this, when this interview was first brought to me, I thought, wow, this is over. This is a story about overcoming depression. Mark, you never had a depression problem, man. You you really did it. It was just a realization like what the crud is scratching at me right now to where I don't get it. I don't get it. And then when you had that realization, because people were already diagnosing you as I'm depressed. He's depressed. You got to be on meds, all that stuff. And it's so funny because when I was at Arizona state, I had a person, a, a good buddy of mine that they put him on antidepressants and it made him worse. And then yeah. he stopped. And then we started playing and doing some pretty fun stuff. And it, it was another realization. I didn't need that junk. I didn't need all this diagnosis stuff. Not saying that, that those evaluations are worthless by any means, but it's definitely something that we need to re, um, relook at uh, different. It's not for everyone. It's really not. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that um, that's, that's the hard thing. And I'm just from a, just to give a little perspective from my point is I don't want this to kind of just be about mental health because that's not why I want to do this interview. Cause there's other stuff about, you know, kind of Mark's story that I really do want to focus on, but that, the struggle with mental health is like, so I, I'm a, I'm a RN, you know, I'm in healthcare, that type of thing. If I break my arm, I can look down on my arm and go, dang it. I broke my arm. That sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'll get a cast. They'll re, you know, they'll reset it, do whatever they need to do with mental health. When it's your, the computer that you're, you think with, <clears throat> you can't do that. You can't step out and look at your own mind, you know? So nobody in a million years would say, you know, shake off that broken arm. Yep. You know, or, you know, you're, you're sin, you're sinning and that's why it's broken or, you know, there's all these different reasons that society has as to why you're broken. You know what I mean? And so when you're talking about, um, again, it's, it's super, super complicated for at every case is so different for some people, medication absolutely is the answer for some people. Therapy is the answer for some people, you know, and I'm even of the, of the opinion that like, man, if you have to try two or three different things at the same time to get to the answer, man, do it. You know what I mean? But anyway, that's my little side rant on, on, on mental health. It's just a side rant, man. It is. It's it's, it's, it's so, it's so super complicated, but it's a, it just jams up so many people in our society. But with you, Mark, again, I almost kind of agree with Maurice is like, you almost were living kind of quote unquote, the American dream, but without knowing it, it was kind of like the American nightmare (laughs) in a way and then you know you it was because of this meeting you and your wife went out you did some stuff it gave you that hope and so what I would like to kind of kind of push on next or kind of pry out of you 
is I know you ended up, you know, looking at you, you're a different person. You're half the man you used to be, or you're 70 pounds lighter. This crazy guy rides his bike to work every day. It's how many miles? Uh, it's 10 each way. 10 each way. You know, he works out every day. You know, he's just, you know, it's awesome. But you've also made this amazing emotional and emotional transformation. And I think for me, that's what's really interesting. And so if you don't mind, let's kind of go off on that in that direction a little bit, because you've, you've changed completely the way that you interact with people and the world and everything. So, and we touched on that a little bit today about being an introvert. Like I'm, I'm heavily, heavily introverted. I think in my mind I am. Um, and I've always been the one to kind of be in the, in the back and, and just observant and watching. Um, and, and that's always just been my MO. I mean, that's always been who I, who I am. And, and I've realized as I become an adult, like you can't just sit back and let things happen. Like you are, you're responsible for so many people, including yourself. Um, and it's the weight of that responsibility was a curse for a minute, but it's a huge blessing to realize to realize that I have responsibilities um, empowers me. I mean, I have to, I have to step up and, and, and do something with those. I can't just, you know, let things go away. My conscience wouldn't let me neglect those responsibilities. Um, and so just figuring out the person I need to be to shoulder that stuff. I think the, you know, it's, it's being at the base of the mountain, looking up, like it's just sitting there, your hands and your hand, your face in your hands, just not wanting to, to grow up and, and take responsibility but it's like once you start doing it you're like this is where i'm supposed to be this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing right um and it's it's fulfillment i mean it's you go from you go from just feeling down and out and not wanting to take care of anything or do anything to all of a sudden it's it's you know doing everything i can to be the best that i can in every aspect of my life um and not and you know making sure I am balanced and not being burnt out and all those things. It's just yeah. a, it's just a different, a whole different lifestyle. No, there's another thing that you pulled up too. And this is ironically, you brought up the cubby, right? Uh, the sharpen the saw, sharpen the chain and all that. Um, and we interviewed his son a couple weeks ago. And it's interesting because he said that one of the things that and it's funny because this it, this parallels a lot of the things that he, he talked about. Uh, one of the statistics that he brought up was about one in three of every young uh, young woman is going through a self identity problem, and that is only exacerbated by the fact that social media starts to put everything. And so all of a sudden you're living for someone else instead of who instead of who you are. And it just multiplies that feeling of isolation and such. And it, it, it seems that the things that you brought out about being balanced, about doing it for yourself, about making sure that you're doing something with a passion. And then because you're doing it with passion, then you get so stuff that you, you, you're automatically helping other people. Like, like you had mentioned, you, I think you just found the secret sauce, man. <laughs> <laughs> Too. I don't Follow care if you're introvert or not. This is really good. This is really good uh, food for the soul, if you will. <laughs> and I, I've been getting that feedback from people where it's like, man, this just this is so good to hear. And it's it's um, it didn't come by chance. I mean, there was a lot of prayers. There was a lot of struggle. I mean, it wasn't just flopped my lap. Um, yeah. But it <laughs> it was uh, 
it's it's been a rough road to get to this point and I just got to maintain it. Yeah, no doubt. I love it. Well, and I think part of part of the success that I've seen, you know, just kind of looking in is you've made a lot of of changes on how you view yourself and how you conduct yourself. But it also seems to me that you've made a lot of changes in your perspective towards other people. And that's had a huge impact on you. Can you talk a little bit about that? So when I started getting physically healthier, um, that helped with the mental stuff. The, the mental stuff naturally started getting better when I just started being more optimistic and looking towards things. Um, but my spirituality also improved. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I was studying more, I was reading more. Um, I was looking for good things. It was, it was no longer about just watching the next thing on Netflix, but I was reading books and I listened to tons of podcasts and stuff now, which I never did that kind of stuff before. Um, and I had read, I had read a verse that had basically said the thing of most worth. Um, and this is, again, you said, not a, not a religious podcast, but it, the thing of most worth is to bring souls to Christ. And if you ignore religion and you're not religious at all, the thing of most worth is to help other people, whatever that looks like in your environment or your world, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was of all the things I can do in this life, whether it's help my wife or my kids or my coworkers, it doesn't matter who it is. Like that's the thing of most worth in this life is to help other people. And I think one of the things that is an addendum to that, if I will, and you could, you could slap me down and say you're completely wrong, but it goes into the, the, uh, the mask effect on the airplane. You remember when the airplane said, put your mask on first, you got to take care of yourself too. Otherwise you're going to burn out and helping other people um, yeah. along the way. Right. And, so, and giving that, giving that help of bitterness in your hearts, you're not giving much. You're, yeah, you know, if, yeah, if yeah. you're not doing it willingly, you're not really doing it. Yep. Exactly. Matter of fact, I, I heard, ironically, I heard a, uh, a talk and the individual says, um, become better, not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well, and I think it also, you know, you're saying that, oh, I don't know how you just mentioned, but we also had that podcast and, and where we had an individual that was helping people with cancer. I mean, one of the most oh, righteous, yeah. like best things you could possibly be doing. Yeah. But even with that, he eventually burned out. Big you know what I mean? And so even if it's, even if it's the good things that we're doing in life or the bad or whatever else, we still have to have that balance and we still have to have that self-care, you know, even once you put that oxygen on, no matter what your intent is, you can't rip it off and still be of help to the people that, <laughs> that are around you. You know what I mean? So um, one of the things when you were talking, Mark, that kind of hit me a little bit is, um, and I don't know why I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe it's a talking point. Maybe we, maybe it's not. I think one of the biggest disservices in my opinion is uh, the golden rule. And this is going to sound kind of weird. <laughs> and again, I don't know where this came from, but so Maurice, what's the golden rule? I do under others as you would have them do to you. Correct. I think that's, <laughs> I think, I think that's horrible. I think that's probably one of the worst things that we could ever do. And let me explain why. So Somewhere somebody was talking about that and they said they believe in, I guess it's the platinum rule or whatever, but it's basically do unto others, others as they would want. How does it go as do unto them as you, as they would want it to be done to them. I don't know if that may, I mean, that I completely slaughtered that. The way, the way that I had heard it is that 
do unto others means like uh, like you'd have a do unto them. I like chocolate ice cream. I want to give you chocolate ice cream. Yeah, whether you like it or not. Chocolate ice cream, man. They want pina colada. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think with that, with that comes a lot of responsibility where you have to have empathy towards other people. You have to have empathy for their upbringing, their experiences, their genetics, whatever it might be. And I know, Mark, that you, you, you kind of schooled me on that when we were talking here a couple of weeks ago, um, kind of just that, that balance of perspective and empathy. Talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Um, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking this, this is simple to me. This is, you just love people. Like you love them in their environment, whatever they're doing, good or bad, whatever it is. If you truly love people, you're going to help them. I mean, you're going to, you're going to just reach out because you love them. Not because, not because you're getting something back or not because it looks good on Facebook or not because, (laughs) you know, again, it goes to that people pleasing thing. Like we're all doing things, not all of us, a lot of us are doing things because we want to be viewed in a certain way. Yeah. but it's better to be a certain way. It's better to be what you, you know, like be that person instead of pretending to be that person. Um, and, and like you say, if do unto others that you do unto your, as you would do unto yourself or whatever, if you hate yourself, you're going to expect other people to treat you poorly. Yeah. And, and if you have, if you, if you care for yourself, you know, then you can love somebody. But if, if you hate yourself, it's, it's pretty hard to love other people. Mm-hmm. Great. So it sounds like part of that is, figure yourself out, but then also double check your motives. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. sounds to me like what you're saying, yeah. you know, why, why is it that I'm, I want, you know, I'm treating other people this way, or why is it that, you know, when I approach this conversation, this is how I view it, or I have to be right or anything like that. So yeah, I, said I, that day, like, I don't need to be right. Like I have no, that, that is not a desire of mine. Like we could sit here and debate things, but at the end of the day, like, we all believe different things. I mean, you and I, even being raised in similar situations, like we view the world so differently, my own family, my own brothers, like we have just completely different views of the world. And a lot of the things are similar, but it's everyone's man. Everyone's view is so different. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of frustrating to me that the the tendency in today's society is diversity is a bad thing. You know, I, I look back to Maurice, I look back when we were in college and, uh, Man, we just had like the the funnest group of the most diverse people you could probably think oh, of. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look back. I, I remember in our, in my like my study group, I had what uh, a Muslim, you had a big Iranian, Iranian Muslim guy. He had this little Japanese guy, and it wasn't me. I promise. Yeah, there was uh, another had, little Asian guy. He had a, a country bumpkin from I can't remember where he was from. Uh, yeah, he had, uh, New York Jew. He had a one of the girls was. Uh, Stripper. I can't remember her name. You had another another wrestler from ASU. It was oh yeah, it yeah, was yeah. amazing. Yeah, but, yeah. There was a, a we had a stripper in our in our in our in my study group. Oh, that's uh, right. new, a, a New York Jew, yeah. uh, Iranian Muslim. Yep. You know, and to me that was awesome. And you know, it was just it was really really cool. And and I, you know, we talked a little bit out today. Mark is sometimes it's even just expanding the people that you not only interact with, but also I'm also a huge believer in just getting out. You know what I mean? So getting out of our environment, like you guys went on that staycation. I don't know how far away you went, but you <laughs> just, far. sometimes just getting out of the environment that you're in at the moment. Yeah. Just gives yeah. you kind of reset your perspective. You know yeah. what I mean? 
I heard something the other day, a guy, a guy was talking and he said, how do you get out of a rut? Like if you're four wheeling and your, your truck's stuck in a, in a ditch, like how do you get out of the rut? He said, you jerk the wheel. Like you do something extreme to get out. Like sometimes you just got to do what it takes to get out of it. Yeah. So, so in, in your story, what were, what were some of, give us the, the top drastic moves that you made that had the, some of the biggest impact. I know you've touched on some of them. Um, exercise was definitely, uh, that was one of those things where I was like, I'm not doing good. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta kick it into gear and do some exercising. And that was really up and down in the beginning. I had the, I had the desire, but I didn't, I didn't keep the motivation. So that was, it was, it was back and forth and I would, you know, I would do good and then I would do bad. And, and, and then I heard something that said, consistency is more important than intensity. And man, that oh, yeah. hit me. And I was like, I just got to do a little bit every day. And a little bit turns into a lot really quick. Like people are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, but I worked right. up to this. I didn't just all of a sudden get to this point. Um, but it's consistency, you know. Um, and then just, I don't know if there was extreme changes. Everything was small. Everything was a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, I've got a supportive family, sisters. I had a sister that I was texting a lot. Um, and that led to more writing, actually. And then the writing was something that I, I did kind of in the beginning and kind of throughout. And then I, I realized that writing for me is a huge weakness, but it's also something that, that um, I, I don't know if it brings peace, but it brings clarity to mind. Like I, I know what I'm thinking when I'm writing. And so then I can, I can have more introspection than I do normally. Um, and that's been changed. Writing has probably been one of the biggest changes that I've made in my life. Yeah. A lot so of that, introspection for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, I, I look at it as well as I see what you've been, you know, kind of been doing on Facebook and that type of thing is, you know, that's also going to be gold for your, your kids in the future, you know, as they, as they are, they're growing up in a difficult society and it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they probably have some of the same DNA surprisingly that you do. And for so, sure. you know, it's going to be cool that you ha- you already have kind of that how to guide you know, not just by example, but they can go and read, you know what I mean? That's something where Maurice is really good. He writes everything down. He, we, we were, everything. we were, we were reminiscing back to the nineties and it was like, holy cow. You know, but, you yeah, know. You'll be, you'll be in the journal tonight, Mark. Watch out. <laughs> You've now been like, you're in man. You're in. So, yeah. I don't know, one of the things I, I would suggest is, uh, you know, is start. I mean, Facebook is great. But I'm not thinking, you know, maybe like a blog or something, man. You, you have a lot to offer. Well, you it's really- getting longer and I, I try to keep them short because nobody wants to read a three page Facebook post. Um, but <laughs> You'd actually be my, surprised. <laughs> they're just my thought of the day right now. And, and uh, I told Gary earlier, like I uh, English was my my weakness. I'm more of a math guy. And so writing for me is kind of a joke. Like you can see my grammar and stuff. It's I, I learned to write write in the third grade and it kind of stayed the same. Uh, but but it uh again not being worried about judgment it was just like you know what i don't have the the best writing skills but i can i can make some sentences yeah i feel Um, your pain man i feel (laughs) i know math (laughs) come on reese you gotta know math i mean come on (laughs) i am awful Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I do appreciate that. Like you said, is once you're, once you, you don't care or, you know I mean? Or you're not guided by what other people 
think you should be or what you should be doing. That, that is so empowering. You know what I mean? And the thing that, I, that I've been kind of excited about, like with Stoke Meter, is being able to bring people together and kind of creating that community. We talked a little bit about it today in our discussion was, you know, a lot of times it's the, it, it's the kids that have empathy. It's the kids that are nice. It's the kids that truly care are the ones that get trampled in society. You know what I mean? They're the ones that kind of get crushed in the grind. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's why I think kind of, you know, this type of stuff and getting your story out and, and starting to document this type of stuff is so important and building that community. You know what I mean? Already I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, yeah. we need to introduce Mark to the, you know, this guy and this, you know what I mean? Like we start building that, that synergistic momentum. And Mark, you, the way that you, I can already tell you're a nice guy. And I know, I know that you, you have a heart that is meant to help other people. And, uh, and the stuff that Gary said on, on the, the nice kids get trashed over, all right, and such. It's interesting because there's another thing that I think you exude very well. There was a, a book uh, by an organizational psychologist named Adam Grant, and they, he did a study on, on people that were givers and people, people were takers. And they did, a, they did an assessment and they found that the people that were takers were the ones that succeeded in organizations. And then you thought, you thought that that was it, but that was, only, that was only one piece of it. Over time, it was the givers that were the ones that were always the ones that, 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 um, that excelled because people knew that they can always go to them. They, they, they needed to hide things from the takers because they didn't, they didn't trust them and such. And so, yeah, it, it, you might've got ran over and all of us might've gotten run over when we were nice. <laughs> but then in the end, I mean, I've seen Carcer drag through the, through the mud. He's seen <laughs> drag through the mud. And I, it's obvious you've been dragged through the mud, but at the very end, you come to the realization, I'm not here to impress anyone else. Uh, all of a sudden you're nice again <laughs> well, well it's funny you say that you say that Maurice too is I also am a firm believer that whatever level of kind of horribleness or whatever you want to call it in your life that also is proportional to the amount of good and joy and success that you can have as well you know I won't mention names but Maurice and I hung out with someone that daddy was always there to catch, you know, to give anything he needed. There was, there was any, any sort of struggle. They were right there to catch him. There were, you know, and, uh, but man, the guy didn't have any, any real happiness in his life. You know I mean? There wasn't that, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is at some point, I'm kind of glad that for the times we've been drunk through the mud, all three of us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Through the hard times, because Man, on the back end, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not gonna lie; it sucks while you're going through it. Always does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So I, you know, I, I again, that's kind of what I look at, like with Stoke Meter, and that's why I'm excited about it. Is kind of again, kind of creating that community and bringing people, like-minded people together. You know, and and another thing too that that kind of seems to be a reoccurring theme, and I've seen this in you, Mark, is many times people, if they find something negative about someone, they just cancel them and they're done and they don't want anything to do with them. Um, whereas I think a real emotionally mature person can look at someone 
regardless of their background or situation and take the good and integrate it. And Maurice, we've had some podcasts where oh, yeah. that's kind of a recurring theme as well. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? All the time, man. All the time. And, this goes from fighter, from UFC coaches to mm-hmm. someone that started their own company to a regular guy down the street. It's, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And, and you've said that's kind of a big part of who you are now too, Mark, correct? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of followed that, but I, I think again, it just goes back to loving people. Yep. I mean, cause you yeah. like, I, I talked about the imposter syndrome on Facebook a little bit too. And it's like, if you're an introvert and you, and you don't, you don't socialize well, it's really easy to cut people out. Yeah. Um, and if you don't like yourself and you're an introvert, like you're going to isolate yourself. I mean, you're going to, it's going to not, it's not going to lead you to social groups. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but as we, as we kind of figure ourselves out, whether you're introvert or extrovert or whatever you are, it's like, you need people, like you got to have people in your life. Like you can't do this alone. Sure. Well, and I, yeah, and I think a big part of that, and this kind of goes back to our, dis, our discussion with uh, Stephen Covey, Maurice. John Covey. Is, and, oh, excuse me. Yeah. Sean Covey. And also with, with, you know, we're talking about kids and, and youth and that type of thing. And that's always been kind of a, uh, an area that I'm interested in is a lot of times it, it takes someone affirming someone else. You know what I mean? So if you have a, you know, like, say, like, say your kids, you know, some, they might be an introvert as well. And they might, you know, it's so important that we have people in our life that affirm us, that give us like, Hey man, you're doing a good job. You know I mean, there's so much power in that. You know what I mean? Maurice has been that for me over the years. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you're, you're, you're rocking it, you know, or whatever it is. And so I don't know. I think there's a lot of power in that as well. And I think that's, it's also ageless. <laughs> I don't think you just have to be a kid. You know what I mean? So, well, you know, even conversations at work where you're like, dude, you're not the same person. I'm like, I've been getting that a lot, but it's, it, it reaffirms and makes me feel good that I'm, you know, that it's obvious that, it, that things have changed. Oh yeah. But I'm well, it, huge. Yeah. And at the same time, you were a really awesome person before. That's what's so, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what's so crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you went from good to just being like, holy crap, chicken <laughs> butt, man. <laughs> No, but I, I think it's a good segue into to a conclusion here. Just this is there's so many recurring themes here that uh, I think people will start to take away and understand. And I thank you for that, Mark. It's uh, I, I know Gary called it vulnerable. I'm just saying you're a freaking stud, man. Uh, <laughs> we're doing that. Well, like you say, when he asked me, my first thought was like, heck no, I'm not doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess my only request is, well, first of all, thanks, Mark. I really do appreciate oh, yeah. you coming on here. I know this wasn't absolutely comfortable, comfortable. for you. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, as you know, we work together and that type of thing, as we have conversations, at this point, I would ask you, like, you know, as, as we kind of come up or talk about specific topics, would you be willing to come on later on and talk about more specific kind of for, topics? For sure. For sure. Awesome. Cool. You're I natural. figured you could say no. You're like on the yeah. under the gun Not right now. That, so. You're natural at it, too. I think uh, I hope you realize that. So yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right. Well, thanks Great. a lot. Man. We, we really appreciate your time. Big Thank time. You, Thank you. Take care of that. Right. Seven, three, four, man. <laughs> <See ya. laughs>